Well, good morning. My name is Dan Under. I'm the student pastor here at Lake Hills Church, and it's my privilege to be able to uh, bring today's message to you. And I usually love to start with a story, and many of you know and love him. My son's name is Logan. Okay, Logan gives us so, so many stories. But this is a story that combines both Logan and my wife, which is a beautiful combination, okay, when they come together. All right. Now, I got permission for this. Before you go, oh gosh, is he about to get in trouble? Okay, the answer is yes, but I still had permission. Okay, so this story starts out as a field of dreams. And if you're in this area, you know that field of dreams is where 40-year-old men put their ambitions onto their children and push them to unbelievable lengths to try to live out the dreams that they were incapable of getting themselves. Okay, I tease a little bit. But this happened, they're, they're at Field of Dreams. My other son, Jacob, is playing uh, 9U baseball, okay? And they're having a great time. They're, they're out there. They're killing it on the field. He's absolutely crushing it. My little Dustin Pedroia hitting amazing hits, getting great outs. Everything's going amazing. And my wife is in the stands just trying to cheer him on like a good mom would, okay? And then Logan. Okay, Logan enters the scene because he's not that interested in what's going on in the field. He actually gets interested in everything else. And as maybe some of you have ever experienced, your children embarrass you in public. Okay, they start getting into things, start doing stuff that they should never, ever in their right mind do. But they're in public and they're like, let's put a show on. Okay, and he starts putting it on and putting it on and she starts disciplining him. <laughs> you, you know that look you get, moms, when you're like, <laughs> that's like, I'm going to kill you, but I'm in public, so I can't <laughs> look. And so this start, this tension starts building back and forth and back and forth. The game ends, they win their game. It's great. Three cheers for Jake. They're walking back out to the car. And as many parents will relate, it's at this moment that the list of all the things that he's been doing the entire game, this is Logan now, is going to come back up to the front of your frontal lobe, right? It's coming right up to say, okay, now it's time to let you know all the things I wanted to say and I didn't say. And my wife told me this story. I was, happened to be out of town at the time, okay? She told me this story. She said she went from, Bee, uh, from Field of Dreams to Bee Caves Parkway all the way to Walgreens, okay, and she was laying the business down. I mean, she was coming from top to bottom. You did this. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done this. And I can't believe you did this and this. And she's told me from her own lips. She goes, I didn't take a breath until I hit Walgreens light. Where she came to a stop in our Suburban. Jacob's in the front seat. Logan's in the back. He's just getting the business, right? To which she comes to a stop. And as she comes... The car comes to a stop, she comes to a stop and takes a breath and goes, and from the back seat, this is what she hears. Logan goes, hmm, well, I guess I have a lot to work on, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) And at that moment, it just broke all the tension, it broke all the stress. My my son, Jake, in the front, literally leaned forward and went, like this. He's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh. And he looked at his mom, my wife, and she just goes, and she just burst out laughing, going, Yeah, I guess you do. <laughs> I guess you do. But I found it fascinating that Logan, okay, in that moment, 
He didn't get hung up on his mistakes, okay? He didn't let his mistakes define him. He let his mistakes refine him. And I think when it comes to Thanksgiving, we're, we get excited and we, we go out and we have a great time at Thanksgiving and we enjoy our holiday and then we go back to remembering everywhere that we fall short and that stops the Thanksgiving that should be flowing out of our hearts. So instead what happens is our surroundings, our surroundings start dictating what's going on internally. And that's a very, very dangerous place for us to be. It's a very dangerous place for us to be because then we start focusing on our mistakes and we focus on the wrong things. Because I don't know if any of you are like me, but I love control. How many control freaks I got in the house? Yeah, I love control. And the, the grand delusion of control is simply this. You have none, okay? You literally have none. What you think you have, you don't, okay? And what we have to do is take a breath and stop and go, hey, I can't let all this stuff out here that's going on around me start dictating what happens within me. I can't let what's going on out here around me dictate what's going on inside of me. And I'd love to take you to a portion of scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. Okay, it starts in verse 4, and this is what it says. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And this is where it really gets into our business right here, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. And I read that and I said, man, doesn't that apply to us? We have Thanksgiving, we have an awesome time, and we actually get pretty thankful during you know, Thanksgiving. We eat everything, it's great. And then all of a sudden, we get bombshelled by our media or our televisions, which are typically on during the day, because Black Friday is no longer on Friday, is it? I'm sorry. Black Friday is never on. No, it's not on Friday anymore, is it? It's literally Black Thursday. We've backed it up with consumerism so that that way now we can actually eat away more of our time being thankful so we can hurry up and go after and pursue the next thing. Now listen, I don't have some axe to grind against Black Friday. In fact, this is my first year. I actually went shopping. I will never do it again. Okay? That's insane. Okay? All right? But I, I don't have an axe to grind about Black Friday. My concern is this. When I'm focused on getting in line and trying to get what it is, the next thing that the media tells me I need to be successful... Am I focusing on my heavenly father and all the gifts he's already given me? Or am I focusing on what I need to get next? It distracts me from what I'm called to be and what I'm called to do. It distracts me away, and all of a sudden I feel this anxiousness start building in my heart. In fact, I saw this incredible deal on a TV, and, and I was like, oh my gosh. Well, what if it's not there? It'll be okay. I still have televisions in my home. In fact, I still have a couple in a couple different rooms. But I noticed that anxiousness start building in me. I noticed that it started to create something in me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Be anxious in nothing, 
but in everything in prayer and supplication and in thanksgiving, let my requests be known to God. And then he makes a promise here. After you let your requests be known to God, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he's giving us a formula. He's giving us a formula of how to deal with anxiety. He's giving us a formula how to deal with that. And as I looked at this, I said, you know what? I realized this. You will never drift into gratitude. You will never drift into gratitude. It's a result of intentional actions. And if I don't get intentional about my actions, when I start feeling anxious and I start experiencing anxiety and then go to his word and put his recipe together for how to deal with it, then I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. You see, we have to put anxiety in its proper place. It's in the prayer closet. That's where anxiety deserves to live. Because when you really break down anxiety, it's about control, isn't it? I might have stepped into the wrong church. When you break down anxiety, it's really about control, isn't it? It's about control. And when we feel like we can't control things, then we get anxious. What are we saying to our God at that moment? I don't trust that you have me. In fact, I have to do it on my own. And God, back in his word right here, I just read it to you, says, don't be anxious in anything. But he gave us the antidote to anxiety. And he says, through prayer, through prayer and supplications, let your request be known to Lord. But then he ends it with thanksgiving. Prayer. I would like to encourage you and hopefully inspire you that the next time you get your, your heart rate up and you start getting all anxious, which we all do, and God knew it, and he took the time to put it in his word and say, hey, I'll even send a guy on Sunday, a big old bearded gorilla to tell everybody to remember, okay? Remember, at this moment, it's your moment to pause for prayer and go, Lord, these are my requests. See, there's nothing wrong with what you feel anxious about. It's how you handle your anxiety. And I know that there are people that deal with a tremendous amount of anxiety. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to doctors and be able to get prescriptions for some of that because sometimes that's necessary. But have we tried this process first? Have we stopped to pray and then say, God, here's all the things I'm worried about. Here's all the things that are on my heart that are concerning me, that are weighing me down. And then give thanks, he says. After you make these requests known to God, give thanks. You know, it's phenomenal to me when you see the parallel verses to this. It hooks up with Jesus when he's sitting at the Last Supper and he's breaking bread. He's breaking bread with his friends, sitting around. Talk about a man who had reason to be anxious. He knew what was coming the next day. The next day was the cross. He was about to be rejected. He was about to be betrayed by his friends. He was about to be sold out for silver and about to be hung on a cross for the sins of the world. He had reason to be anxious. Fascinating that this verse parallels with that one. Because what did Jesus do? He broke the bread. 
Symbolically, it was his body that was going to be broken for them. But he gave thanks. How do you give thanks in a moment when you know you're walking to your demise? How do you give thanks when you know that everything is going to go as bad as it possibly can, but your attitude is thank you? It's a right relationship with the Lord. It's a relationship with God where we release and relinquish control and stop the facade of acting like we have it all together and come to the realization that God has it all control, all in his control and has it all mapped out and has a perfect plan. And whatever it is, I'm good with it. I know that I'm in tricky territory. You're like, man, I, did, I wanted to be encouraged today and this is not encouraging. <laughs> but it is. Because when you can let go of all of that control, nobody owns you. Absolutely nobody owns you. What if this happens? What if, what if God's still God? Well, what if this happens? God's still God. I heard a brilliant man say it to me one time before. He said, Dan, when is Jesus going to be enough? What a powerful question. When is Jesus going to be enough for us? When are we going to get to the point where it isn't about grabbing and hustling? And I'm not preaching against work, man. You better work hard. That's elementary. God gave us that in the garden and said, work is unto the Lord. You work hard. But when we get anxious, when we get tied up in this stuff, when is Jesus enough? When is Jesus enough? And the second thing I kind of wanted to bring out to you is I came to this realization. My wife helped me with this. Unbelievable woman. If you married a good woman, you should thank God. I'm going to say that again and give you a better chance to respond, men. <laughs> if you married a good woman, you should thank God. Wow. Glad I'm going home with my wife today, not yours. Because <laughs> you guys got some trouble you're in right now. You got to start thinking about where you're taking her to lunch today because you got to dig your way out of that one. But she helped me come to this realization. She said this to me. It was very, very powerful. She goes, most of our anxiety comes from managing our blessings. Think about that for a minute. Most of our anxiety comes from managing our blessings. Let's go back to my son, Logan. What was my wife trying to do? Manage my son. You know what? Thank God I've got a son. I know people that would love to have a son, and they just can't have kids. Maybe I should change my focus. Oh, but maybe we get worried about money and finances, right? How many of you guys ever worry about money? Six of you. You're liars. I love you. You're in God's house. Tell the truth. We worry about money. And in reality, God is the one who gives us the ability to work and to make money. And we have a job. Well, what about sports? Well, what if the kids are not going to make to the elite travel team that's going to be, the, he's going to be the next starting quarterback for whatever? You have a kid who's healthy, and you're trying to manage the fact that he has an athletic ability, and we get stressed out about, how's that going to work? And we get caught up on the little things. And we major on the minor and miss the major. You see, as Christians, we have to become 
more like a telescoping Christian instead of a microscoping Christian. Microscopes do this. They take something very small and they make it look so much bigger than it is so you can really take a look at it, right? Talk about our lives sometimes. We take this little thing. What if he doesn't get into a Division I school? What if he doesn't get a scholarship? What if he doesn't get on the team and doesn't make $18 million in the first year out? He's not going to. It's okay. But we get focused on this little thing and we start microscoping in instead of telescoping. You know what a telescope does? It takes something that's absolutely huge, that's a little further off than us, and brings it into proper perspective. Maybe we should do that. Because our God is so huge. Our God is so big. Our God is so beautiful and so wonderful and amazing to us that he gives us these things that stress us out. He gives us the blessing of a job, the blessing of a great house, a great family. And we forget how big he is. And we can trust him with our salvation and our eternity, but we can't trust him with tomorrow. And we've got to pull the lens back and go, wait, hold on, I'm microscoping. I'm making little things bigger than they ought to be. And I need to make God more evident in my own mind. I need to change my perspective on how I'm viewing this situation and become thankful for this situation. You see, Thanksgiving shouldn't be contained by a weekend. It shouldn't bookend and say, okay, Thanksgiving's over. Let's go back to the stress of the holidays. No, tis the season. Tis the season to put everything back in perspective and not forget by January 1. Put it back in perspective, and instead of signing up for the gym and focusing on our health, and we'll work so hard on our health, but we won't work on our spirit. What if we put that much effort into our spirit? And I'm not preaching against the gym. I might. <laughs> but not today. The gym is awesome. Our physical bodies are, are God's temple. We're told to take care of it, and we need to. We must. It's not an either or. It's a yes and. What if we put ourselves in the right perspective and said, hold on, this is my body. I will commit hours of the day to training and getting it into this amazing, bulky, amazing, awesome look. <laughs> and our spirits are shriveled up. Our spirits are withering and wasting away. We're filled with anxiety with worry. And God says, no, you don't have to. I've got the antidote. Go ahead and just pray and give it to me because I'm in control anyway. Give it to me. And then after you give it to me, be thankful to me. Tell me why you appreciate what it is you appreciate. Because thanks is just that until it's given. Thanks is just that until it's given. It's like love. Thanksgiving and love are very similar. Until you have an object to show your love, it's not really love. There's no action taken. Thanksgiving is very similar. It's just thanks until you give it away. How are you taking action on it today? How are you taking action on what you're thankful for? I think it's awesome that the homeless shelters are full on Thanksgiving. I think it's awesome that people are serving. What about the rest of the weekends of the year? Are they still homeless? Are they still in need? Is our heart still bent to them? 
you can probably find out if it, is or if it isn't based on our thanksgiving. How thankful are we for what God's given us? How are we spending our time? How do we measure how thankful we are? By actions. Tell someone. I'll tell you, as a husband... I've been with my wife for 19 years. We've been married 15 this year. I don't tell her enough how grateful and thankful to God I am because of who she is to me. My kids, oh man, I love my kids. But man, I'm leading them, I'm guiding them, I'm leading my kids because I'm a leader's leader, okay? How often am I loving them in the process? Am I just so caught up in leading them that I forget to love them and to tell them from my mouth, I thank God for you because you are going to be amazing. How often do I forget to thank God for the little cherubs that run around my house at about 180 decibels going, ah, craziness. And I'm like, Lord, I just want two seconds of peace. And my anxiety and my frustration is because I'm trying to manage the blessing God's given me in my life instead of being thankful. I know that's a lot to chew, but I'd love for you to bow your heads for a minute. Just take a moment. Close everything else out of your mind. And begin to think about the God who called you, the God who loves you, the God who knit you together. Knitting is an old-fashioned term. Knitting takes time. Knitting takes intentionality. Knitting is painstaking. That's your God. He took the time to put you together. He took the time to weave very intricately every part of your DNA together so you would be who you are. And when God pours out his love on us, he doesn't give it to us in pieces. He gives us it all.
by sliding to my knees first and saying thank you because I woke up one more time. And if you give me the energy to get up off these busted knees, I'll serve you today. I'll do my best to be thankful all day. Would you bow your heads again with me? God's love is so unrestrained that he gave his son to die on the hill of Calvary to say, I don't care what it costs, I want you back. We've gotten away from each other and I want you back. And he says, I won't withhold anything. And he gave his son that you could be reconnected with him. My question for you in this moment is, what is your response? What would you say back to the one who knit you together? What would you say to the one who withheld nothing so that that way you could have everything? It's a moment where you can make a choice and say, God, I choose you. And with head bowed and eyes closed, if that's something you'd like to do, it's as simple as a quiet prayer between you and the Lord. It doesn't even have to be out loud. To just say, God, I choose you. Would you take me? Would you help me? Would you walk with me? That is the most pivotal decision you will ever make. And as such, we're not embarrassed of that decision. In fact, you're in a, a room full of people that have been praying for you to say, we're behind you, we love you. If you made that decision today, would you, with still heads bowed, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me? Clearly and definitively put your hand straight in the air and say, that's me. I made that call. I made that decision today. We have a tradition here at Lake Hills Church. As you put your hands down, we put our hands together and say, welcome home.